0: So we have this teaching, and you could return to wake up. It's many different ways, and in the life, it's very obvious. When if you walk on the street and you are completely thinking whatever you have, your story going on, and the just car goes beep, all of a sudden, very strongly, definitely you jumped. You kind of look around, what's going on your eyes becomes much clearer, your ears is, immediately gets very sharp, and your senses returns to you, and all of a sudden you can realize, oh, you may drop your phone, or something is calling you, or maybe here is somebody needs help, whatever situation around you, just, you become connected to it. You wake up from your dream, you wake up from your thinking. And... Uh, that's what we usually practice and you use with different ways and different techniques to do that, to actually to reconnect whatever happens around us, to see clear that it's not always possible if we in our thinking, if we're in our stories, whatever it is, in our head.
1: Myung hastening jita Popsa, was originally planning on becoming a Catholic nun when a friend invited her to hear a visiting Chinese Zen master, Subang Lithuania had recently become independent from communism and was opening up to the world, and she'd never seen a Chinese person before. So initially, she just went to meet him. But she was so moved by his message, she immediately signed up to sit a three-day retreat. Myung-hei quickly realized that the Buddhist path fit her better than the Catholic one, and she began sitting retreats both locally and in Poland before finally moving to Hwagesa Temple in South Korea in 1996 to begin her monastic training. The following year, after ordaining as a nun, she moved to Hong Kong to serve at Subong Zen Monastery, where she's been ever since, and now serves as the second guiding teacher. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off of the cushion. I am your host, Ian Whitemar. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. To find out more, Visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the trial offer for a free month of training. Myung-hae, you were originally planning on becoming a Catholic nun, but you were raised in a communist country, so when I was watching some of your talks online, it, it seemed like it was even hard to find a, a Catholic monastery for you to to study in, and I'm wondering, what was this drive to become a monastic? Like, where was that coming from?
0: Yeah, that's true. I was uh, born in this uh, communist country, but Lithuania from long history had this uh, Catholic background. So even during the communist time, this was not completely like taken away. It still exists, you could say, somewhere maybe in the background or like we would say underground. But it was still strong, especially in the older communities, like my grandparents, they used to go to the church. As I begin with, you know, like in the winter months, you go to the school, like I was living most in the city. But the summer holiday when I was with my grandparents, which means more into the village in the countryside. So naturally I would end up going with them to the church. Well, I was really in the kind of kind of dilemma, like what to say, because that time I have to learn about the God, go back to the school, I learn everything which is no God. So I had a question, does the God exist or not at that time? And after some practice and experience, I realized the most important is like how I can help this world, where, which is I begin with and um, thinking about monastic path because to me it seemed if I'm going monastic path, actually I could use my whole time to help everybody around me. If I choose my family life, somewhere inside I feel like at least half of the time I could give to my family or myself, which is of course, you know, who could say everything around you is needs help, but I kind of felt like if I go monastic path, I could give myself fully.
1: And so you were but you were on this path to do become a Catholic nun, and then a friend invited you to hear Subangzinim. How was Sub, how did Subangsenim get to Lithuania? And what was that experience of going to hear him speak and yeah. and find out about Buddhism? I guess.
0: Well, actually, it, it was very interesting way. It's actually it was not first time of him coming. And uh, first time Subhong Sunim came actually with some sons and master in nineteen ninety one. Hmm. And I've always felt they just find me. I was never able to find them. But somehow, the time I was practicing the martial art, and we have the group and the place and the big hall, and we happened to be, came to our place, and was where we just began. Somebody, because wanted their hall, and we came to us. It is where I just find them. For beginning, when and Master came, here we had some misunderstanding, so I was not able to join the retreat. So first retreat for me was with Bong the Master in 1993. But I already got in touch with them on 1991. But I never really took it very seriously at that time. Just like was kind of a little bit like foreign to me. And I was really more into uh, Catholic practice at that moment. And uh, the funny kind of coincidence was like, actually, as I said, I didn't know where the nuns was living so we didn't have them that time nobody would wear the nuns clothes or you never know who are they but after like 91 93 that time we start wearing this monastic nuns clothes so you could see them on the streets so that's where I once saw one of them and actually, I just ran out of a bus and chased her <laughs> <just> <laughs> to find where the monastery is. <laughs> and uh, it happened to be the Polish branch, and I didn't really speak and understood the Polish at that time. So I kind of decided, well, if I really want to practice, I better stay in the place where I understand the language. Mm. And just that evening, this friend said, like, well, you know, we have this. Chinese Zen master coming here. Would you like to go? Well, I said, why not? Right. <laughs> I don't know how it look like, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> so that's why I just went, but I wasn't really looking or searching for something new. But it was very inspiring to me, and it really kind of resonated to me what I was looking for. So I tried out. and went for retreat right away, <laughs> next day. <laughs> And it really was not easy. And I had inside of me was a bit little struggle. Would I be doing something wrong, chasing, like changing my religion in a way? But first of all, something inside me really liked the practice and really liked to look inside more than for looking something outside. Because I really want to understand myself and what is it all about. And it seems very natural to me to do this kind of practice. So I stayed.
1: So you sat that first three-day retreat. Can you tell me about what it was that happened to you on that retreat that helped you decide that this was the path, or, or were, were you still not totally decided yet? Or you know, how did you start moving away from Catholicism and towards Buddhism?
0: Well, uh, during the retreat, we had this Kongan interviews, which is like completely was foreign to me. And I wasn't, you know, we have the translation to Lithuanian, but actually it was scary. You don't know what's going on. You go to the room and see the Zen master. We ask you a question and you talk. I was not a person who would be, like going for something new or like showing myself I was more shy so I was kind of squeezed in this room like uh, maybe they won't see me <laughs> and uh, somehow uh, Subong San master I think he really saw me <laughs> he asked if I have any questions so I thought well you know I am afraid, you know, I'm kind of scared even being in this room. And Sabonzo Master has this kind of way, he would just look at you, put his palms in front of me and saying like, well, just give me your fear, give it to me. I was completely shocked, (laughs) like, what, how can I do that? (laughs) But... Something inside me really again felt very strange, this kind of approach. When he gave me his mala and asked me to do the mani padme hum, the mantra, and I was just doing since a lot at that time, whatever I could. And that mantra really helped me to go through very difficult situations, especially because of that time in Lithuania, we have a lot of changes. Uh, a lot of um, bankrupt, a lot of uh, difficult, very difficult situations, and it just lead me through all the way, even to a Korea where I could really even go through the monastic training at that time.
1: So you you then started saving up money to go sit in Korea, and you. I've heard this great story about how you, you finally got the money together to go sit, and then you couldn't get into the into the retreat, but then you sort of resigned yourself to okay, I guess this isn't gonna happen. And then out of nowhere, a postcard appeared. Am I remembering this correctly? And it was from Subong, but he'd already he died like two years earlier or something <laughs> like that. Is
0: yes yes it's true and uh, it was really it was very surprising situation for me because i it was much like after 1993 uh, and the master passed away in 1994. so after in this retreat 1993 i had this writing communication with him it was really also interesting because i don't understand english so i had the letter somebody helped me translate it when i got the letter back somebody helped me translate it so it was going in and out like that wow and uh, after a while i find out he passed away and uh, i really wanted to go forward but you know I was really limited with my language. So I really depended on my friends who could help me. So I didn't even accord to me I could go for retreat because I can do it myself. But one of my friends decided she would like to go and I could go with her. Uh, Well, I managed to get enough money for that. And uh, I didn't know where she's applying. I really depended on whatever she was doing for me. So she just had very strict idea what she wanted so I have no choice <laughs> but because it didn't happen the way she wanted actually I also lost the chance and that time as you said I you know I was really like disappointed like okay here you go nothing happened and I still remember my mom coming back home and say welcome back from Korea I just like Wow, well, what happened? You know, I just couldn't go where. Why will come back? And here's was postcard from Korea, this view of Korea. And it's written by Simon the Master. I guess, like, he, I can't put all of this together. <laughs> but it was really fun. <laughs> and it happened. Um, this postcard he couldn't send because he passed away. So actually, Jane McLaughlin, another our Zen master, find this postcard, and she sent it a year later. It just happened right after the time where I couldn't go for retreat. It just happened coincidentally at the same time, which was really amazing to me. And I got okay, inspired enough, like I won't give up.
1: It's almost like so he found you again for the second time. I,
0: exactly. I even saw I made before I was kind of dependent on this friend, but this time I decided, okay, I will going to do it anyway. So that's why I go to the Poland first and try three months retreat, and then I told them I still would like to go to Korea. Can you can imagine I hardly have any English. So, you know, again, they kind of helped me to apply for Korea the retreat. So I went. But actually to go where I need again this money just to buy the ticket. And for that, I needed to make a big challenge to ask my parents. (laughs) I was really lucky because my father sponsored me to go for the retreat. Even he didn't like that idea. But he actually helped me so I could go to Korea. And again, I went. And this was really amazing. I had no language, basically, and it was no problem. Even if you don't have any language and don't really have a lot of what you think you need, if you really like to try and you're willing to do it, things will work out.
1: So what do you think was happening in your practice life that was giving you so much direction and, and so much calling to, to just follow this path? Because there are all of these obstacles that just seem to throw themselves in your way, and you're, you're still moving forward, moving forward towards this, this call of monasticism.
0: I think I didn't have much choices. I didn't look for many different things, I mean, different teachers or different places. So for my mind, it was very simple. I just wanted to go this monastic way so I could understand myself and I could help in any way I could. It was not really much importance to me what actually I need to do or what exactly specific thing. It's most important was for me to try and whatever I could help. And, uh, you know, for that, you always have opportunities and there's always things appear. Of course, definitely, I'm not a special person. So I have my own obstacles and I have them a lot. Uh, it's just true. I uh, had, I guess, this vow, that only thing which helped me to go through no matter what appeared.
1: This vow of just wanting to help the world, or or to find out who you are, or which vow was it that was really just pulling you?
0: Well, I don't think it's separate. I, you want to find out yourself so you could help this world. If you just want to find out about yourself just for your own sake, um, it's okay. But it's for me it was not separate. For me, it was like. I know, like we usually would say, it's like two wings of a bird. So, understanding myself and helping others was really important balance. Sometimes, you know, would go into only like, okay, the hard practice, I'll understand myself. And if I lose at least a bit of it of helping others, you always bump into something. And if I only wanted to help others and want really neglect and looking in myself, I can't help because I would have some ideas and my own karma obstacles will become stronger than the vow itself. So it always was needed both. So I was kind of balancing between one and the other. But it's a thing which is could say would help me to move forward. It's not like only one thing was more important than other. I think both are very, very important
1: spoken like a true zen person
0: <laughs> not really no, no. it's truly for me it was you know i had so many challenges it's true i had so many challenges and um no matter is it in my mind or body the languages you know i keep going to the places where i don't understand the language you know i went to poland for first retreat I didn't speak the Polish. I didn't understand. I could guess a lot because it's very close to the Russian language. It's called the Slavic language, but it's not completely like Russian. So it does happen a lot, which I would misunderstand something or people misunderstand me. When I went to Korea, I hardly know a few sentences in English, forget about Korean when I could speak a little bit more of English when I hear I'm in Hong Kong. <laughs> People speak in English, but most of the time in Chinese. And again, I don't understand. So I always had these situations where it was challenging. And it doesn't mean I wouldn't want to give up. But this thing is always in the background of my mind. You know, like, if you give up, then what? And... Uh, it still stays so strong to me. Whatever I can, I just try. So I think this try mind is always helpful.
1: Now, in one of your talks, you, you used a phrase that I'd never heard before, but it just felt so intuitively true. Uh, you know, you were talking about thinking mind and, and just what happens when we just get caught up in these thoughts. And you said you're, you're drowning in your thinking. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about that? For how what that feels like, you know, or has felt like for you, but also how you guide your students um, when they're drowning in their thinking, or what that feeling is like for them.
0: Well, it actually came from Lithuanian language. When after I became teacher and I returned more and more to Lithuania and helped my sangha, and uh, he was a lot of words or I need kind of uh, terms which I needed to find accurately what would that be in Lithuanian language. And we use this saying like drowning your thinking very naturally in Lithuanian language is, is just natural word. And all of a sudden when I said it, it just hit me myself. It's exactly what's happened. You know if you think just by the words, drown in your thinking. It means you are in this world under the water. It means you're in the world of your own thinking, which is no more connection above the water. This means to the rest of the world. You are just inside. And if you drown, it means you are not responding to anything. It, Anybody could call you, could do anything, and you won't respond because you drown in it. You know, sometimes you can see people bump into the uh, poles or the tree just because watching on their phone or <laughs> don't see something. <laughs> That's kind of similar because you're not seeing anything, not connecting with anything. Or even so, when you think about something very strongly, we go like, automatic pilot you know you, you can just walk you can do things but you're not where. you're just thinking and so if somebody calls your name you cannot hear it if you would even drop your phone you won't even see it definitely if somebody around you and need help you'll gain one seat so that kind of thing what we call in our teachings you know this uh, returning, with you know, this hit, this kind of like wake you up. Something could wake you up from that drowning. So we have this teaching and you could return to wake up. It's many different ways. And in the life, it's very obvious when if you walk on the street and you are completely thinking whatever you have, your story going on, and when your car goes, p, all of a sudden, very strongly, definitely you jumped. You kind of look around, what's going on. Your eyes becomes much clearer. Your ears immediately gets very sharp, and your senses returns to you. And all of a sudden, you can realize, oh, you may drop your phone, or something is calling you, or maybe here is somebody needs the help, whatever situation around you just you become connected to it. You wake up from your dream, you wake up from your thinking. And uh, that's what we usually practice and you use with different ways and different techniques to do that, to actually to reconnect whatever happens around us, to see clear that it's not always possible if we in our thinking, if we in our stories, whatever it is in our head going on, it's maybe beautiful story, but that beautiful story maybe prevent to see what's happening just now around us. So I use that word, which we use in Lithuanian language. And I find it's very true for everyone. And we can really feel it when we drown in our thinking.
1: <laughs> what's what's Buddhism like in Lithuania these days?
0: Well, we do have original students from the very beginning, which we are begin with. We are still practicing. Maybe not all of them. Uh, or we also have a lot of new students. Like everywhere, you know, where some changes happen. And some people may get involved in the different ways of life, or moved in different places. But here, it's interesting to see, you know, the practice never change. It never gets old. It doesn't matter how many years or where we go. And actually, maybe it's a beauty of our school where the same practice is happening in all the different parts of the world. So if you go anywhere, you basically feel at home because you do the same thing. Maybe one difference is the biggest difference because in different countries we chant the Heart Sutra in that language of the country. That's maybe only difference. rest of it is the same. So maybe slightly here and where, you know, how somebody sits on the cushion or how you put the ball, a little bit is different, but rest is really you feel at home and any place you go so our original sangha is everywhere <laughs> it's amazing we're always enjoying to go and even like you know different country different place it's the same <laughs> so like uh one more thing about the drowning in your thought is I usually use that special example in uh, when we have this teaching or like private conversation going between me and students, where we talk about this primary point. So very often, would students come to this question like, "What is it all about, and how would that would help my?" life so very often this just simple sound which is possible to or anything would wake you up is very valuable in our life for example like i just said the story about the car passing by and the sound of peeping car could wake you up from the thinking or whatever it could be strong sound or even hit or Anything which is comes from outside, maybe a bird singing, the uh, hitting of a stone, anything, even thunderstorm, which is strong thing which is happening outside, could wake us up. If we only rely on that, then we will have to wait for the sound to appear. Well, in common practice, in this setting with this primary point this technique where you actually could be the master of waking yourself up, doing that simple way and you could learn how you could wake up from your thinking. So at that time you could use it anytime, any place.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Myunghesneem Jidapopsa encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for Subong Monastery in Hong Kong at subong.org.hk. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of this podcast are eligible for a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button at the home, on the homepage. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I'm your host, Ian Whitemar, and I hope you'll join me again next week.